Welcome to the Apollo's Dark Hearts, a podcast set in rural West Virginia about the things that we may not always understand. I'm your host, John Atkins. Let's get down to it. Deep hollows and dark hearts, empty valleys full bitten arms. Deep hollows and dark hearts Bring us together and tear us apart Happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of Deep Hollows and Dark Hearts. It's been a long road to release, and we appreciate you sticking with us these past two months since our teaser dropped and for giving us the opportunity to entertain you with our tales from the backwoods. And if this is your first time with us, we welcome and appreciate you all the same. Our promotional budget at the moment is virtually non-existent, so please, if you wouldn't mind, help us spread the word about our show to your friends, your family, even your enemies. We don't discriminate here. Word of mouth and ratings and reviews go a long way to helping our numbers grow. And the more our numbers grow, the more content we will be able to bring you in the future, and the higher our production value will increase. But without any further ado, here is the first of this evening's stories. West Virginia is known as the Mountain State, and the valleys that run between these mountains are known as hollows, or hollers as they're called out in the sticks. And each one of these hollows, it seems, is home to its own host of unique tall tales, legends, and ghost stories. You may already know some of the more famous from around here, such as the Mothman, or perhaps even the Braxton County Monster. But for every famous monster or legend, there are a dozen more that are less well-known. Stories that have been passed down from generation to generation, from Papa and Mama down to their grandkids, tell so old and so oft-repeated, no one knows how they were started, or if there's even a fraction of truth in any of them. Sometimes a story is just a story, but sometimes a story takes on a life of its own. This is Mud Mountain. My name is Clarence Rice. I'm an investigative reporter for the local paper, the Coalfield Chronicler. I've been on the investigative beat for 17 years now, and I've seen just about anything you can imagine. I've uncovered political scandals, helped crack a few gruesome murder cases, discovered illegal pill farms, and reported natural accidents that would make even the most hardened forensic team squeamish. You see, I'm a native to the mountain state, southern West Virginia, born and bred. I'm as adept at following the blood trail left by a white tail as I am at telling the district's newly elected delegate to his mistress's flophouse. I've heard tall tales and ghost stories that crop up in small towns. In my early days for the Chronicler, I was even sent out to report on sightings of the Mothman or some other supernatural spook or another, and every time it turned out to be some superstitious kook whose vision had been failing for decades, or some group of teenagers who broke into Daddy's liquor cabinet before going out for a joyride. I don't believe in the hokum. I'm not some kid sitting around a campfire, scared of what lurks in the shadows beyond the flame. Call me a skeptic if you won't, but I prefer to think of myself as a rational-minded intellectual. 
I graduated with honors from West Virginia University with a master's in journalism. I'm interested in reporting the truth, not a load of ghost stories. Which only makes what happened on Mud Mountain last week all the more difficult to put into words. It all started with the late night call I got from my contact in Boone County Sheriff's Office. Hello? Hey Rice, Deputy Morton here. Sorry to disturb you, but I got something here that may interest you. How quick can you get to Mud Mountain? I'll be there in 25 minutes. These sorts of calls didn't happen all the time, but often enough. I had gone to high school with Morton, and therefore I was able to work out an arrangement in which I got first call when he had something interesting. I knew Mud Mountain as well. It wasn't a tourist spot or part of some nature preserve or state park or anything. It was another small mountain in a state famous for having mountains. The only thing special about this mountain in particular was a certain local legend surrounding it. But like I said, I don't buy into all that crap. So I grabbed my keys and jacket and raced to Mud Mountain. We made it, Mr. Rice. Morton should be around here somewhere. Thanks for the ride up, Deputy. Hey, Rice! I see him there. Thanks again, Perry. How have you been, Morton? Good, I suppose. I'd be a hell of a lot better if I could figure this one out. You want to tell me what happened here, James? Ah, uh, I think it's best if you take a look. My God. Where is his head? We, uh, we ain't found one yet. Jesus, and this is a clean cut, too. Whoever or whatever did this, it happened quick. It was some kind of a blade, and it was done in a single stroke. You have a suspect yet? Well, no, but there is this legend. Oh, come on. We both know better than that. Well, take a look at the evidence, Clarence. We have a decapitated victim. His head hasn't been located yet, and we have no evidence apart from hoof prints. Look at where we are, Rice. Mud Mountain. <sighs> You're a deputy, Morton. You're supposed to be the rational one here. We're probably looking at a copycat, some sick, twisted psycho obsessed with the legend. We haven't ruled that out yet, but until we come across some real evidence, we have zero suspects. Have you identified the victim yet? He's not carrying any form of ID, and none of my men recognize this guy without a head. We'll run the fingerprints and see what we get, but look, Rice, I called you because I know you can report on this without sensationalizing it, you know? We don't know what happened here yet, but we don't need a story in the press about some ghost. I suppose for posterity's sake I should explain. 
Local legend told of a man from this hollow years ago who would ride horseback to the ridge of Mud Mountain every night and at the stroke of midnight would play a sad somber tune on his fiddle. His neighbor, tired of his slumber being disturbed every night, followed him to the ridge one night, axe in hand, and as the horseman drew his bow across the strings to begin his nightly serenade, the neighbor killed him with one swift blow of the axe to his neck. The neighbor left the body, but took the head as a trophy of his victory. But this triumph was short-lived, for starting the next night, it was told that the headless specter of the horseman returned to Mud Mountain in search of his missing head. And every night, when his search ends fruitless, he plays his sad, somber tune. If you believe such nonsense, that is. But as someone who grew up around here, I'd heard these stories all my life. As derivative of Washington Irving as they may be, everyone on the river had heard them. Even a few outside of the area had. Anyway, I decided to interview a few of the locals to see if they had any information. Hello, ma'am. Clarence Rice for the Cofield Chronicler. Do you mind if I ask a few questions? If it's about the dead man, I've already talked to the deputies. I understand, ma'am, but I'm not part of the official investigation. This is for my story for the paper. Deputies placed the time of death sometime late last night. Do you recall hearing anything or seeing anything out of place last night? Well... I remember getting up last night to use the bathroom. Must have been somewhere around midnight or so. Thought I heard something, like music, but I just assumed it was one of my neighbors. People these days, they keep strange hours and don't have any respect for other people sleeping or anything like that. Music? Anything specific? I don't know. It's kind of distant. Country music, maybe bluegrass. I could definitely make out a fiddle. A fiddle, you say? That's right, just a fiddle, nothing else. No guitar, no banjo, no drums, just a fiddle. Okay, and if you were to describe the music? Sounded like the fiddler was yearning. It was sorrowful. It just sounded sad. After a long day of interviews and touching base with Deputy Morton, I decided to head back to the scene of the crime. It was dark by then, close to midnight. October 17th, 11.59 p.m. Interviews have turned up fruitless. Several locals claim to have heard fiddle music last night. The legend prevails over the truth, apparently. Back at the mountain, the body is gone but the imprint is still here. Ground is covered in tracks, out from police. So that's a dead end. Is someone there? Who's there? I'm unarmed. I'm a reporter, just show yourself.
This isn't funny. You're not going to scare me off. I don't believe in ghosts. Jesus Christ. That's when I saw it. It was a horse, or had once been a horse. It was gaunt, pale, was missing considerable chunks of its flesh. Its eyes blazed like the pits of hell. And on its back sat a man? A figure, like the mount beneath him, he too was gaunt, his clothes looked old, and not in the way where he owned them for a long time, they were old fashioned, out of place. I couldn't quite place uh, my finger on it at the time, but looking back, they must have been prohibition era, maybe older. He had a fiddle, the butt of which rested on his chest, just beneath where his chin should be. But the chin and the rest of his head was gone. The horse turned to look at me, and while I'm not proud to admit this, I felt a warm trickle down the front of my pants. I was frozen on spot where I stood, unable to move out of fear. Most people have a fight or flight response when faced with danger or fear, but that night I learned that my body freezes. And maybe that instinct was my saving grace. For the horse and his rider passed me by, the mournful tune growing distant behind me. After a moment the music stopped. And I slowly turned to face the headless horseman of Mud Mountain. But I saw nothing but empty force and fresh hoof prints instead. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Deputy Morton here. I saw it. Saw what? I, I, I saw it. I, I saw him. I, I, I... Rice? He's real. The legend is real. I saw him. The headless horseman of Mud Mountain. A skeptic reporter on the hunt for the truth. And a legend come to life before his very eyes. Is this the last we've seen of our friend Clarence Rice? Or of the horseman on the mountain? Only time will tell. But for now, let's move on to our next story. Long-haul truckers are the backbone of this great nation. Without them and the goods they transport, the ease and convenience we experience every time we go to the store would be mere fantasy. The men and women behind the wheel of those big rigs sacrifice a lot to make our lives easier, including time with family and loved ones. This can make the life of a trucker a lonely one, so who could blame them for picking up the occasional hitchhiker for a little company? Of course, it's always a gamble when it comes to hitchhikers, as you never really know who is climbing into your cab. And sometimes the search for companionship doesn't turn out quite as friendly as you'd hoped. This is 22.
Rain pelted the windshield in an unrelenting fashion as the wipers worked double time in an effort to keep up. A less experienced driver would have had a difficult time navigating the dark, raining highway, but not Donnie McCoy. Donnie had been driving tractor trailers for the better part of 30 years now, and as such had become a master of his craft in that time. Rain, snow, fog, sleet, it didn't matter. There were deadlines to be met and goods to be delivered. Donnie held the steering wheel with his left hand, his right clutching a half-eaten cheeseburger, the grease running down his fingers and onto the gear shift as he downshifted. He switched the burger to his thumb and forefinger of his left hand and grabbed a large soft drink with his right, taking long gulps from the straw. He let his mind wander as he did so, drifting back to the beautiful woman waiting for him at the end of this hall, in stark contrast to the hag of a wife waiting for him at home. He was sure that he had once loved Lucinda, but that had been 30 years and a million miles ago. The road changed people. It made men long for the touch of a woman, and it made women grow cold and distant. He and Lucinda were just too different. She needed someone to be there and to talk to, someone to comfort and care for her. He, on the other hand, needed a pretty face and a warm body at the end of a long day, and sometimes the first one was negotiable. It didn't make him an addict or a pervert. He just had a high libido, and Lucinda, in driving terms, just didn't rev his engine like she used to. Ginger, on the other hand, was different. She may not love him, and he may have to pay her for her time, but when he was with her, it was always a good time. No arguments about missed anniversaries or birthdays, no long talks about mortgages or utility bills. His time with Ginger was almost an exact opposite to his time at home. He drove to get away from Lucinda, but he spent time with Ginger to get away from the road. That was an important distinction. Donnie turned on the radio to break up the silence. After scanning through the stations and finding nothing but talk radio and static, he finally settled on a station broadcasting some radio evangelists. Do not think that it's going to be a time of wine and roses and it's going to be such a prosperous time. Because the Bible says that the time of great tribulation is going to be a time of great pain. It's going to be a time of great suffering. Donnie wasn't a religious man, but his mama had drug him to church every Sunday until he was old enough to drive. This particular preacher was at the very least charismatic, with a thick Appalachian drawl. Not too hard on the ears, even if the subject matter was less than exciting. More gloom and doom, the end is nigh, brothers and sisters, kind of schlock he had heard all his life. Before long, the broadcast began breaking up more and more, droning into static. He clicked off the radio. Suddenly, his focus switched back to the road before him as his headlights illuminated a figure in the distance. Donnie switched lanes and began downshifting, pulling to a stop next to what appeared to be a young woman. Hop on in out of the rain. Without a word of acknowledgement, she climbed up into the cab of the truck, settling in. She seemed to be in her thirties, pretty, with her hair styled in a way that Donnie thought hadn't been fashionable in decades. But Donnie knew that times change, and what is considered old one day can be retro the next. 
She wore what looked like a thin white nightgown that clung to her skin, nearly transparent, soaked as it was from the unyielding rain. He caught himself staring and diverted his attention. Thanks for the ride. Her voice was so melodic, like a gentle forest stream, but exciting at the same time, almost breathy and sensual. Donnie found it to be relaxing, inviting even. He was enchanted by her, and soaked as she was in her revealing gown, her body called to him, inviting. Donnie had spent time with many women, from his wife to dancers and lot lizards alike, but none of them had been anything quite like this woman. Something in his head clicked as he realized he was staring at her. Hadn't she said something to him? How long had it been? Uh, that, that's no problem at all, miss. I'm done. What's your name? The passenger played coy and faced directly ahead of the road, a sly grin on her face. Just drive first. I'm trying to get to Logan. Donnie felt hypnotized by her voice, but he pulled his eyes away from her and back to the road. It was difficult, but he managed to focus on the road just enough to keep them between the lines, but just barely. There was something about this quiet, underdressed, enchanting woman in his cab that commanded his attention. He stared at her, but she didn't seem to mind. In fact, she almost seemed to welcome it, inviting him to take every last bit of her in visually. He felt a carnal hunger, something visceral and primal. She reclined her seat, and the wet clothes revealed more than before. The nightgown riding high, exposing much of her leg. There had been plenty of women in Donnie's truck over the years, and he recognized her invitation. Sure, he planned to see Ginger tomorrow evening, but that didn't mean he couldn't enjoy the company of a young woman in his truck right now. He placed his hand on her knee, her flesh cool and wet from the rain. She smiled, and he slowly moved his hand up her leg. She let out a soft moan as his hand brushed the edge of her nightgown where it draped over her upper thigh. Are you married, Donnie? Donnie looked to his left hand on the steering wheel where his wedding band was prominently displayed. He moved his right hand back down to her knee. Uh, yeah. Is that going to be a problem? Young woman smiled a devilish grin and Donnie's cheeks flushed. Not at all. Donnie's heart began to race and he began to slide his hand higher up her leg again. A roadside came into view ahead, too far away in the pouring rain to make out just yet. Mamie. What? You asked my name. It's Mamie. Mamie Thurman. Donnie saw something begin to trickle from the side of her head. Something thick and red. It was blood. It began to pour from another spot on her head and then a long, jagged cut spread across her neck from ear to ear, blood cascading down her neck and chest in a flood. Donnie's own blood ran cold as bruises and scars began to form all over her body, and this once seductive sex symbol in his truck became the very picture of death. Donnie panicked and screamed, slamming on the brakes as he passed a road sign that read 22 Mine Road, next right. The truck began to hydroplane, and the woman disappeared from the seat next to him. The truck began to tilt to the left as the wheels on the right came up and slowly, as though in a movie, everything in Donnie's world shifted 90 degrees as the truck tipped over and came crashing down on the side. Donnie didn't know how long he lay there, unconscious, still strapped in by his seatbelt, but he came to with a start. His body ached, 
He was soaked from rain pelting him from his shattered passenger side window, which was now above him, and his memory was a little foggy. But he seemed to remember something about a girl. He looked to the passenger seat, the rain stinging his face, but the seat was empty. There had been a girl, he was certain of it. A beautiful girl. She was sexy. She was... She was bleeding. He tried to shake the image of her from his mind, of what looked like bullet holes in her head, of the bruises that covered her body, of her neck, slit open, and blood trailing down the front of her nightgown. He shook his head and rubbed his eyes, opening them slowly. There she was somehow, sitting on him now, her lifeless eyes staring right back at him. Her playful grin now replaced with a look that shook him to his very core. He started to scream, but he felt cold steel press against his neck, hard and sharp, and it sliced his flesh, his arteries, his vocal cords. He managed to gurgle, watching as his own blood spewed out before him where the girl had just been. Donnie grew cold, and his world grew dark. Rain pelted in an unrelenting fashion. Excerpt from the Coalfield Chronicler, October 31st, 2022. Emergency crews responded to a tractor-trailer accident on U.S. Route 119 early this morning at 22 Mine Road near Holden, West Virginia. The truck, found on its side, is presumed to have hydroplaned during the heavy rains last night. The driver, whose identity has yet to be released to the public, was found dead inside, his throat slit from ear to ear in a manner oddly reminiscent of the infamous murder of Mamie Thurman in 1932. Mamie's body was found not far from the site of this morning's accident 90 years ago. Old Donnie bit off a little more than he could chew when he let his more carnal instincts outweigh his hospitality. When you're down in Logan County, you've got to be careful who you offer a ride, and where you find yourself driving late at night, lest you find yourself staring down Mamie's Black Dahlia smile. Well, that's going to do it for us this time on Deep Hollows and Dark Hearts. We'll be back with more stories from our neck of the woods on Monday, November 14th, 2022. If you'd like to stay up to date on the latest news out of the holler, be sure to follow us on both Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to submit either a story or an audition for our consideration, you can email us at deephollowspod at gmail.com. And if you'd be so kind, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And tell your friends and family about us to help the podcast grow. Halloween may mark the end of the spooky season on the calendar, but we're just getting started here at Deep Hollows and Dark Hearts. Between what lurks in these hollows and what festers in the hearts of men, it's a dangerous world out there. So stay safe until we meet again. This has been a production of Dark is the Horizon Media. Mud Mountain was written by John Adkins, featuring the vocal talents of Nate Tatum as Clarence Rice, Greg Adams as Deputy Morton, Travis Ingram as Deputy Perry, and Destiny Ingram, Trevor Bolliard, Heather Hughes, and Joshua Adkins as witnesses. 22 was written by John Adkins and narrated by Travis Ingram, featuring the vocal talents of Michael Lamb as Donnie and Cheyenne Vaughn as Mamie. Our theme song is by Odie and I. You can check them out over on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Our outro music is by Caleb Luther, who just released his latest album titled Caleb on His Phone at an art exhibit. You can check him out, along with his band Meet Me in the Matinee, 
on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud as well. Our artwork is by Nate Tatum. You can check out more of his artwork at Rainbow Bear Store on both Facebook and Instagram. I've been your host, John Atkins.